Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Mac and Forth Show. My name's Cole Madden and we're here once again to talk about the week's Apple and tech related news. And joining me this week, Dean Murphy, creator of the Crystal Ad Blocker app. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm really good. A little bit jet lagged because I've just uh, come back from New York a few days ago. But overall, I'm doing well. Are you Tony Stark, really? Because you jet set everywhere. <laughs> just without the suit. <laughs> Yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet secretly you've got something hidden in an attic somewhere, maybe storage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind the Iron Man suit just to fly around and make, make uh, travelling a lot easier. Yeah, it would, didn't it, wouldn't it? <laughs> no more bloody runways and crappy meals. Anyway, um, well, listeners, Alan Vickers can't be with us this week, unfortunately. He's, he's off, he's previously engaged, so it's just me and Dean. We've got to fill an hour somehow, sir. I'm sure we can manage it. There's quite a few... Th- Quite a few cool things that's happened this week that I think we can talk about. So what, what was you doing in New York then? In New York. So um, my app Crystal uses what's called acceptable ads where it blocks the most offensive ads by default and uh, lets through what's called acceptable ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously a setting that you can change if you want to block all ads. It's entirely down to the user choice. What happened with Adblock Plus, they've actually signed off the acceptable ads criteria what ads actually meet this criteria of what's acceptable or not to an independent committee. And this was the first meeting of that committee to discuss the future of acceptable ads. So uh, as someone invested in that, uh, you know, my app used acceptable ads, um, I was there to just listen in and to see where the, what plans have got for the future. And it, it was all quite promising to see so many different people from the industry, from all different sides, from publishers and ad tech and user representatives and privacy advocates just all come together and just have a good discussion about the future of advertising. That was a lot of fun. So what is an acceptable ad? Have, have they clarified it now? Um, well, currently it's based on a, it's basically three bits of criteria, which is size, how big it is compared to the rest of the content placement. So it's not in between content, basically. It's not in between paragraphs. It's at the top, bottom or at the side. And um, distinction. If it's actually labelled as an advert, not something from around the web or something you might like, you know, it's clearly labelled and that. So the three main criteria at the moment, there is a lot more in depth, which you can read on acceptwads.org. So mainly this this meeting was just because it was the first meeting. It was just basically just getting the whole basics together and just getting everyone to talk to each other and meet each other for the first time as well, which is quite interesting. And just see where they want to take acceptwads in the future. Um, one of the things that brought up was a mobile-specific criteria to investigate how it could be better optimized for mobile, because this criteria was made for desktop advertising, and also security, just um, the possibility of serving ads through secure channels rather than HTTP. Maybe make that as part of the criteria that they have to be served securely. So um, I'll keep you posted how this evolves. But because uh, because um, the uh, the security aspect of it, that was the problem back in the day, uh, especially with Windows machines. Everyone used to think you used to get um malware and, and and other related crap from from dodgy sites and of course it wasn't it was like normally code that had been injected into into adverts which were then shown in these blocks which just sold en masse you know to 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 the general advertisers out there and of course as they spun around if you happen to land on that page as a dodgy ad was being like displayed you'd get the malware injection yeah or well, adverts are probably the biggest vector of malware and virus attacks in the modern age really that's that's how you get people to click things which is always worries like when you ever you see like a a dodgy malware story come up you'll see time and time again in the comments well i don't have to worry i don't go to dodgy 
porn sites or whatever. And I'm thinking, you're absolutely deluded if that's where you think malware comes from still. My favourite uh, story about that is Forbes.com. They put up a an ad block wall where you can't access their website unless you disable your ad blocker. Right. So people were uh, disabled their ad blocker. As soon as they put it up, they disabled their ad blocker to access Forbes.com. And then there were served adverts for download the latest version of Java, your Java's out of date. Oh. That links to some dodgy .exe file that does unknown things that it shouldn't be doing. So that was quite funny, you know, telling people to disable their ad blocker and then serving up these malware ads that, you know, you, the ad blockers are essentially texting people again. So were the uh, adver- advertisers um, represented at this, this meetup you had? Yeah, yeah, all um, all parties of the advertising industry were um, represented on this uh, committee. So it's basically a committee that's formed of all different sides of the advertising industry and also user representatives, so people representing users. And um, it's, pr- it's probably the first time, or is the first time, that a group of like, such diverse people have just come together to look at advertising as a whole. So I've got quite good thoughts about it, really. Mm-hmm. So you think things will change moving forward? Have lessons been learned, as they say, you know? I hope so. I hope so. I hope it uh, brings positive change. Of what I have seen in the meeting, um, there is a lot of positive change to, uh, to how people have just come together pragmatically and put aside the differences or their biases within the industry and just trying to push for a positive change overall just to, you know, better the web, essentially. Yeah, see, I, I understand the, the evils of advertising, and, and, and I know it's a necessary evil for us to get the amount of content that we get for free, in quotes. Um, it you know a certain amount is expected and accepted. I think on the whole, it's just when it gets obnoxious, like auto playing adverts. Um, big. I think every week your show gets uh, hit by an auto playing video. Yeah. Well, hopefully, once the a certain piece of software or or an add on or the new iOS, um, sorry, the new Mac OS comes out, I'll be able to block some of them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not just me. Everybody gets it. I just, I'll from in future probably be editing my ones out because I now can. So, way good luck. <laughs> good on that. But uh, yeah, it's just the obnoxious ones. It's like the full screen. I can't, I've just, I'm, I'm noticing a lot now in Apple News as well, which is getting really starting to bother me when I use that, that application because I, I love Apple News. It's fantastic for sourcing all these eclectic news items to all in one place. And, they're, they're, some of them articles, when you open them up now, I'm now having to open up the article, open it in Safari, and then hit the, um, what is it, the newsreader function? Oh, the which, reader, yeah. Yeah, the reader function, where it strips out all the adverts, because they're just getting ridiculous. Now I'm opening sometimes Apple News Stories, and I get a full flash page that when I delete it, it goes back to the menu for Apple News. And I'm thinking, well, how on earth are you even meant to read the content? <laughs> I know, that's the thing, like it. You know, the advertising industry has to realise, you know, what's more important, serving the advertising or serving the content that people are clicking on. Uh, obviously, one of them gets them paid and the other one doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Um, yeah, so this kind of stuff is very annoying. Um, I do love the new feature in iOS 11 where you can open pages in the reader mode by default. Oh, yeah. That's uh, something I've been using quite a lot. And it makes a huge difference to just the readability. Just all the websites have that. I've got the colour set, such so as grey and white text. This grey background with white text, and every website just looks uniform and boring, essentially. But it's just so readable and usable. Doesn't that mean they're all going to look like they're in fireballs? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think whoever's put that in reader, that particular color theme, is is definitely a daring fireball fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a it's a constant battle. We, we're always going to be, um, you know, 
coming back to this this because it's a con you know like i say it's a constant battle it's a battlefield we we don't necessarily want to see all their nonsense but they have to sell us their, their nonsense so they can keep going um how's your how's your um crystal doing lately when was the last time you you went through and had to do an update on that on that little baby um it's actually an update pending um i've got an update almost ready to ship actually been updating it quite regularly with a block list because the block list has been updated several times mm-hmm. uh, more than several times this past year um every every two three weeks it's been updated so um yeah no, there's an update coming out with a few new features which um i'm excited about i'm just waiting for the right time to finish it up and get it ready and also for android there's an android version for samsung getting updated how dare well. you sir how the dare <laughs> Yeah, I've got this. I've got this version of Samsung Internet ready to update as well. Um, so yeah, I've got a few updates coming out in the next couple of months. That'll be okay. interesting. Cool. So when you do um, like uh, the back room update on all the on all the descriptors and stuff like that, do I have to restart the app, or will it just as soon as I reopen the app, will it download it the latest version? Yeah, you should. Um, it depends. I think um, you'll probably have to reopen the app. It should work in the background, but only if it's been recently backgrounded. So after a while, iOS pushes it out of the background mm-hmm. and removes them background privileges, essentially. So yeah, you'd have to reopen the app to get the latest update. Okay, that's that's good to know because it's not really an app you you go into that often. You just expect it, it to exactly. No, it's not, uh, and that's something I'm going to try and fix in the next version. Is um, I've noticed some apps prompt you. Um, I don't know if you use the deliveries app. Yep. Yep, so that prompts you to say, if you want to continue getting the background updates, please reopen the app. So it tells you just as it's going to be killed to reopen up the app. Oh, that's so, what that means. <laughs> yeah, so that means it's, it's background privileges are getting killed, so it can't keep updating your tracking and delivery tracking request. So that's something I'm considering. I don't really want to bother users with push notifications, but then again, I don't want them to be on an old outdated block list when... They could be getting better block lists. I don't yeah. know. Well, absolutely. Did you see the stories come out earlier this week about Apple was reported, supposedly reported the limiting App Store distribution of VPN slash root certificate-based ad blockers capable of blocking ads in other third-party apps and will instead support only first-party first content blockers through Safari. Now, as soon as I saw this story, I thought of you. I thought, <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine poor old Dean? He's, he's probably sitting there going, what the f- in, insert expletive here uh it was noted after interaction between apple and developer future mind which markets a number of apps including the vpn based content blocker adblock strange enough future mind recently submitted an update for adblock uh but it was dec- <laughs> but it was abs- it was turned down uh it's been in there since 2014 uh but it didn't get the re- through the review process this time I was told that Apple is no longer allowing VPN slash root certificate based ad blockers to be sold through the App Store, even though there's several others still out there currently on sale. Apparently, Apple has officially changed their policy regarding VPN slash root certificate based ad blockers on the App Store and is no longer accepting updates of apps which directly block content in third party apps. Now, you explain to me what the difference was. So maybe you were, probably some of our listeners already know what the difference is, but just in case, do you want to explain what the difference is between what um, this Future Mind app does and what your one does? Yeah, of course. So on a very basic level, a VPN or root certificate-based ad blocker, basically you're installing something that will give this app or this company full access of your traffic. So for example, for a VPN app, all your traffic would route through 
through this company. And then with that traffic, they can shape it. They can take out the advertising, for example, and just serve you the non-advertising traffic. Um, but also comes the security risk. You know, who is this company? Why? Do, you know, what else are they getting from your traffic? Hang on. <laughs> hang on. This is a man in the middle thing. Exactly. It's a man in the middle that you've agreed to. My God. I take it, yeah, since 2014, I guess these came out because there was no alternative at the time. This was pretty much the only feasible way to ad block on your phone. Um, I, as frustrated as I was with the mobile web, I don't like the idea of giving some company access to my traffic. And also there's a lot of friction involved in actually installing the VPN and activating it and deactivating it. And you get reduced network speeds because you're going for this third party, or your traffic's being routed for its third party if they've got heavy load, for example. That affects your traffic and how much how fast your internet is. So yeah, I try to avoid VPNs in that respect as much as possible. Apart from I use uh, TunnelBear occasionally. Oh yeah, they're a paid service, so I'm assuming they don't do anything dodgy with my traffic. And even then, it's just to give me extra security when I'm in coffee shop or airport Wi-Fi or you know public Wi-Fi. Now we're not suggesting just suggesting sorry that FutureMind was doing anything dodgy. It's just that you were sending. So the traffic comes out your phone, goes into their servers, gets scrubbed, and then pushed. Oh, sorry, it gets pushed onto whatever your destination is. Then your destination reacts, gets scrubbed, and gets pushed back to you. That's yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying future mind do anything dodgy. They're probably not. They're probably just providing a good ad block service. But it's not the kind of service that Apple wants, especially when they're so heavy on privacy. They don't want people having to have to route all their traffic for a third party just to get the benefits of ad blocking. Um, unfortunately, there's no other way of ad blocking on your phone in terms of blocking everything in third party apps. One of my biggest customer email complaints is from people, and I don't want to generalize, but they're from people with older sounding names from like an older generation, <laughs> you know, like my mother's generation. Why does your, why does Crystal not work with Scrabble? What? Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's, that's what Evo says. Why does why does Crystal not work with Scrabble? So, well, Scrabble's a board game. It just works on your phone. <laughs> it does. You just spelled C R Y S T. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what <laughs> wordage. Yeah, you know, it gets you 24 points. You can use it as much as you want. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the biggest complaints. And when I ask, you know, they give very just one sentence. Normally, it's in the subject bar, <laughs> and the body of the email is empty. I'm not. I'm not joking, by the way. I, I should. That is start. definitely a sign that you've got an email from your mum or your dad. I'm just saying. Yeah. So um, after like a little email back and forth, and this is such a common thing I get. It's just they download this free Scrabble app that's just littered with ads, and they download Crystal to try and stop it. And unfortunately, Crystal doesn't work in other apps like that, uh, which is unfortunate. But I just say try and just you know download a better app. <laughs> You know, you get what you you paid nothing for the Scrabble app. Just go spend a couple of dollars on Scrabble Plus or whatever it is, Scrabble Premium. Words for friends is better anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. Um, it's it's a bit of a weird one though because I gotta imagine you've got to be quite you know, au fait with everything to install or even use one of these VPN root certificate things. So it's not going to catch out the average. The basic user, is it? Because they'll never even know they exist, I shouldn't imagine. Well, maybe, maybe if they do ad block, it might come up. And they yeah, might if, get... if, if they search for it in the app store and then the app gives you like instructions, go to this setting and turn it on, and it's all got these technical names, like turn on the VPN and trust this certificate, you know, people oh, don't know what that yeah. means. No, that starts getting a bit dodgy when you start trusting certificates just because someone tells you to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I can see Apple's reason behind it, and, you know, this, uh, this particular API, I think they've said... 
they're blocking it because this is not how they're intending the API to be used or misuse of the API. Mm. How it is meant to be used is just to filter your traffic for security reasons. You know, as a paid service, I'm assuming that's the service they want to put out, not for ad block. That's not the, how they intended it to be used. And the rules are so ambiguous, they can enforce them in any which way they want. Well, of course, that's the trouble with developers in, in, in this, on this platform, of course. Like FutureMind, we're a bit stuck now. They've got to decide what they want to do moving forward. And, of course, that's, that's always going to be the case. If you want to go and play in Apple's world, you've got to play by their rules, which is what everybody you know, nags them about. But you know, I, I, can, I can kind of see this as like kind of keeping us safe because I don't want anyone having access to my traffic going going out. Not that I'm doing anything dodgy or anything. I just I just it just I've always been taught that's not a good policy to to follow. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I can and that's what developers do. I mean developers on iOS specifically have just been pushing APIs beyond their limits just to see how, how much they can achieve on iOS. Like for example, you know, Riado, the product the productivity company, they implemented drag and drop a few weeks before apple announced it and that was like pushing apis to limits in a positive way and unfortunately like, there's probably a lot of wasted work now because you know there's a very native way to do it between all apps but um there will be in a few months yeah exactly but um you know developers pushing these apis in different ways do have these positive effects as well showing what's possible and what can be possible well you know what might not be possible for much longer mm-hmm. apparently all those lovely hd footage from drones that we got of the new Apple campus, apparently they are coming to an end because the recent the recent trend of flying your drones or their drones over Apple's new campus to spy on its construction is going to be discouraged in future. Dedicated security force at the site with the sole mission of the halting these flyovers is now in effect, apparently. FAA guidance requires drones to keep 360 feet away from structures, uh, with pilots required to maintain a visual line of sight to the drone at all times, but Apple Park is not currently listed as a no-fly zone by the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration. Now, we should have known something like this was coming, because when Craig Fegarigi was doing his presentation uh, a WWDC. It was all about stopping drones <laughs> from <laughs> over the new campus. If you actually, we actually paid attention to the content rather than the techniques it was using. You would, you would have known this was coming. Yeah, I mean, I almost took my drone to San Francisco or San Jose <laughs> just to get a flyover, just to fly over and have a look for myself. But I decided against it because of, there were some weird laws happening or rumors happening that America was going to block all electronics being taken. So I just didn't want that hassle scaredy cat yeah uh, but yeah no similar rules in the uk so you you have to fly 50 meters away from buildings and structures yeah and have the same visual line of sights but these drones go so high for example i think the maximum legal limit is 120 meters high and then you can take it even higher than that if you override it and choose to break the law when you see these videos uh come up on youtube there's no way that the pilot is able to see where that thing is no because it's going it's that campus is huge when you actually see how really big it is. And now that you know, the first well, the first few years, it was always it was always flying over when there appeared to be absolutely no one on site. Everything was like down tools. All the trucks were parked up. There was nothing going on. I know it's the last few when they started doing the flyovers. There were, there were workmen, you know, doing their business on, on various places. There's, there's people on the roof, like you know. There's glass everywhere because those flipping panels they put all over the roof. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, 
hang on a minute, this is slightly more dodgy now, because if anything goes wrong with that drone, um, that's going to fall on someone, possibly. And, and just constant because they're noisy little blighters. Yeah, they are. So, you know, you're, you're doing welding or whatever down, <laughs> down on the floor, and suddenly above you, like a mosquito above your head. No, they are annoying things to have flight. If you're not flying them, they're very annoying to be above you. Yeah. i got to say that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it looks like they've, they used to like go and film it on a Sunday morning when nothing was happening. But now That's it just right. seems they're just going any time of the day and just, and just filming like, all the details very close up to the building as well, just to look at all the details. And <laughs> it's nice because, you know, it's great to see how this building's progressed over time. But yeah, maybe there's like, maybe Apple could do something more official and like officially do this, this kind of filming and you know, give progress reports rather than relying on the community to illegally fly the drone around or annoyingly fly the drone around. I mean, they, they obviously know there's, there's interest in, in, that, in that campus. So I've got to assume, I hope, if they're, you know, if they're doing their PR properly, that once it's all, everything's done, everything's laid, all the grass is down, it looks fantastically stunning, we'll get some official video of apple showing off that campus because why else would you build it not to show that thing off yeah the funny thing is though they say that um they've hired a security guard whose purpose was what, what a, a firm not a guard <laughs> not one bloke going, get oh. out of here you pesky kids <laughs> oh yeah a whole firm to with the express purpose of shutting down drone flights these drones have a example my one in america has a four mile can travel four miles on its own away from me away from the pilot and obviously that's out of sight and out of the legal limits and blind sight or whatever. Mm. But assuming you're willing to do that, you know, you don't have to be next to the building to fly a drone next. You just have to be, you know, a few blocks away or several blocks away just to send it off. True. But, but they're now starting to bring out uh, kits that can make these drones either go back to their, their source or just shut down. Because they're trying to stop them flying things in contraband into prisons here in the UK, for example. Yeah, or what they... Do with DJI the the brands that I use. I use the DJI Mavic. DJI have this really great software built in. So it's, for example, you literally can't fly into airports. For example, it has like all the no fly zones are just big giant invisible force fields that you can't fly near. So they've got this big radius that you can't. We still fly do into. though. We get it all the time in Heathrow and Gatwick. There's always like delays because some twat has like flown his drone into the area. So oh yeah, like other drones. I don't know if they use this technology or there are ways of overriding it if you feel you need to but as standard out of the box these drones respect the no fly zones and respect the invisible barriers that are just built up by that are put up in this uh, gps software mm. which is which is quite good and i think all drones should probably have that just for you know just for users really because yeah. you, know, you give someone this freedom to fly into an airport they probably will and they have done <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago in gatwick uh, I read on the news that planes were delayed and rerouted to different airports just because of this. It is mad. It is mad. I mean, apparently in America, I'm not sure if this applies to the US, uh, UK. I mean, um, you uh, you own so much height, so so much space above your property, so it's like 360 feet or something. Which kind of thing? I, I'm starting to wonder now. Then, if you can't enter that space, how on earth is Amazon going to do its drone deliveries? If <laughs> it's going to have to be zigzagging all over the place. But um, it's another. Makes a nonsense of that, really. Anyway, it's, it's, it's good to see the thing shaping up, and hopefully they'll be moving in soon. And uh, hopefully, when they announce the iPhone 7S, 
don't know what to call it now, eight or whatever. Eight, uh, they're going to do it from that Steve Jobs theatre, and we'll get some, I'll get a look inside there. They got to be, they got to be doing that for them. It's got to be done. Uh, speaking of some other things, we're going to get with iPhone eight. Apparently, Apple recently purchased expensive, <laughs> like tens of millions of dollars, apparently, uh, production equipment to produce the rigid, rigid flexible. <laughs> What's that then? Printed circuit boards for the iPhone 8, uh, reports claim. Uh, Apple doesn't plan to use the equipment itself, but instead is leasing it to suppliers to ensure it can get the components it needs for the iPhone 8 amid rumours of production difficulties. Yeah, right. Um, Apple made the purchase after one of the three suppliers it planned to source the parts have backed out the deal. So that's nice of them, isn't it? Yeah, I like it when there's, there's this really slow news cycle that everyone's talking about production. Just It's very detailed production stuff. <laughs> It's, what uh, this has um, shown to me over the past months and, and weeks and stuff is, God, how complex this stuff is to all put together. I mean, I, I was listening to a show the other, the other week, and they had uh, a lady on it who used to be responsible for working out all the production lines. And it was like, it just seemed a logistical nightmare. I mean, we, you know, I think of problems of transport. Just you know, with my company getting things to certain places on time, hmm. but the way the way they were talking about how they monitored production line for these and you know other other pieces of modern day uh, consumer equipment, it's just astounding. Like you know, it'll be nine seconds on one station, and then it'll move on to the next one, and then they'll have to monitor. So if something goes wrong on that production line, they have to go back and and figure out what where it went wrong and if it was a training problem or if it is a piece of equipment that could be put in it's been built in such a way it could be accidentally put in the wrong way and if so they have to fix that and they have to do all these things to make sure that the gold line as they call it can produce a thing from the start to the end of that production and then once they can do it they start to ramp up the speed at which it can do it and as if they need more and more um items produced then they open up other other lines based on that gold line. And if they have to make any changes, if they discover any faults anywhere along the process in any of these nine <laughs> these nine second workstations, they have to do the whole thing again with the gold line, start again, and then have that move outwards to all the other lines. It just seems crazy to me <laughs> that <laughs> that this, this this is how it's done. And you know, they were saying like it's quite amazing. You'll be surprised how many people are still involved in the assembly of things like iPhones and modern consumer equipment because we all see the big milling machines digging out the phone the phone's um the structure of the phone but all the stuff inside is normally put in by hand and everything's 9 seconds then but move on and i just i firstly i can't even comprehend having to work under those conditions that drive me absolutely insane poor 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 people but uh yeah, and that's 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 how it does, and all these things have to come in at certain times and move out. At certain, it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Tesla, the new Model Three. They're um, hoping to have one thousand five hundred, or build one hundred in August, and one thousand five hundred in September, and then by the end of the year, have twenty thousand per month getting made. <laughs> so just that scale of going from like one hundred to one thousand to twenty thousand mm. blows my mind. You know how they can just scale up making a car like that. And I'm supposed the iPhones similar, they'll make like, you know, a hundred on the first run and they do like a thousand at the same time and then they're doing like tens of thousands in the same time. Just how they just scale it up. It's just absolutely crazy. And especially how many parts and suppliers there are and 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Logistics, I just, I cannot even wrap, begin to wrap my head around it. And and then when I, and then when I hear like, well, git basically uh, on this end of the production, like, I think, oh, grow up, will you? <laughs> but uh, that's not, that's nothing to do with the guys <laughs> on the production line. That's normally the greed of the companies involved. But uh, bloody hell, it, it's it's see, I kind of. Part of me, the the lefty side of me, just cannot help thinking it's slave labour. But it's what they they they, you know, they do it for a very short period of time. The guy, the woman was saying, they normally between nineteen and twenty four. They do it because they know they're going to earn money, and then with that money they go on and you know get better lives. Now the money's junk compared to what we get here in the West, but for them, it's considered good money. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but they get. I do get a food on campus and like a bed on campus, so you know. I mean, what a cop? <laughs> yeah, I know it's 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 not brilliant, but you know it's what we, what we do to get the cheap iPhones. You know, it's, it's yeah, exactly. Horrible. It's horrible, isn't it? Really, when you think about it, you know, where's the meat and the hot dog come from? It comes from all these disgusting places and all these disgusting practices. Sorry, what? Where's the meat and the hot dog come from? No, no, no. What what, what are you suggesting? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, Don't it, suggest anything nasty about a hot dog, please. You're <laughs> not going to that German bar again, are you? Oh, yeah, in a couple <laughs> of weeks. Stop it. <laughs> uh, do you know, I saw an interesting piece on, on, the, on Loop um, mm-hmm. this week about 32-bits, 32-bit application. Do you know how to, to check if you've got 32-bit applications on your Mac? Because I didn't. Um, I didn't, know until I read this article. <laughs> and yeah, now I do. So, <laughs> well, that's how it should work then that was the perfect article uh so apparently what you do is you go to the apple menu then you go to about this mac then tap the system report button uh page then appears scroll down to software section it is on the list on the left tap applications wait about a minute and then your your list is built once it appears just widen out the window and then the far right hand column it'll be labeled 64 bit yes or or no it will say so this probably doesn't gonna isn't gonna have much effect until next year when they're no longer gonna support thirty two bits. Now, I don't know. I, I, you're a programmer, Dean. Mm-hmm. So, will that just mean our thirty two bits applications will stop working, or will they just be slower, or 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 what? It's not been said. It's not been said what's gonna happen. Um, this is basically an architecture change. So, similar to from moving from PowerPC to Intel, when that happened, yep. Apple created a uh, emulator so they'd emulate um, the power pc applications within the intel that's right uh, machines so maybe they'll do the same you know do a 32-bit emulator so these apps won't run as good as they used to or as good as they can do if they were 64-bit but no one really knows apple hasn't really played their cards they've just said starting next year we're going to start start to discontinue 32-bit apps yeah, because they're not going to do that. They're doing that now on iOS. When iOS 11 hits, that's, that's it for 32-bit apps. They're gone. Yeah, on iOS, it makes a lot, lot of sense because they control the, you know, they make the silicon so they can optimize it for, you know, not have to optimize it for these two different uh, architectures, 32-bit and 64. They can just optimize it purely for 64-bit operations. Um, it's a little bit above my head, but I kind of have a basic grasp of what it's all about. So, yeah, they can just optimize their hardware better. On the Mac, I don't think Intel's plan to drop 32-bit applications within their hardware. I don't know if that will allow them to have better CPUs or whatnot. 
or maybe it's the first step towards an arm map. Who knows? <laughs> you're still you're still clinging to that one, are you? No, no, I, I can't see that happening for a while. Yeah, that'll be a big job. But it surprised me to going through this the settings that you told me to go through. Um, how much? Not I don't have many stupid apps, but there are a few on there that I don't really want to lose. Well, until recently, like I used Audacity every week, obviously, and that's a thirty-two bit app. And and although um, Serenak from Essential Apple podcast said they've updated recently i've i've not got the update but perhaps you have to go to the site and re-download it i guess you have because there's no update function as far as i'm aware but uh yeah um so that will stop you working i think well not stop working but it will maybe deteriorate in its functionality which just as well i found something else to use (laughs) instead then which is nice but uh yeah i mean you're right it's it's a year away but See, I'm thinking when he does, when we get to whatever the next Mac OS is, for that one, once it all goes 64-bit, I'm just going to do a fresh install from that point on and start and rebuild all over again. Because, you know, the recent transfer I did to this new iMac, I bought, I bought over old stuff because there's just no way you can avoid it. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, I'm going to miss the DVD player app that Apple supplies, assuming they don't update it. I don't know why I've got a DVD player app on my MacBook that doesn't have a DVD drive. I don't know there why. Exactly. There you go. I can't delete it because it's essential to the system. But uh... ISOs, that's why. Can it play them? I don't know. Yeah, because it's an ISO. Is you can just see it as a DVD. A DVD. So. Oh yeah, because it just melts, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe it does. Yeah. Hmm. That should oh. work. Not that I'm sure how you get an ISO from anyone <laughs> legally. I'm just saying. I wouldn't touch a DVD if I <laughs> if if I had one in front of me. It's not on Blu-ray all the way. Oh god! Yeah, I've gone. I've totally <laughs> done away with physical media. I'm purely digital downloads now. Purely digital <laughs> downloads, and I've, I've got I've I've got so much space. There's no more clutter in my room of of objects. I say Blu-ray. I really mean HD video from iTunes. <laughs> I don't actually. I actually. Oh wait, I do have a Blu-ray player. It's in the. Uh, it's in the PS4. I just remembered that. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, good but no. Point. Apart from that, iTunes. Um, there's a lot of Adobe software on here as well. Uh, I've noticed it's 32 bit. Yeah, but I'm sure they'll be able, be able to. They're a big enough company. They're not small. I'm sure they'll be able to update in the year. But yeah, uh, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Getting back to media a minute again, because one of my favourite topics of all time is uh, how, how's your feeling still about an Apple TV 4K come autumn? Oh, I'm just I'm just dreading having to buy or upgrade my library into 4k media if that is an option well no i'm hoping firstly most well most decent 4k sets have upscaling of various degrees on them so that'll be good and hopefully the actual apple tv unit will be able to do upscaling if they're going to do that yeah my tv does my tv does upscaling at the moment and it looks pretty good especially on pixar films and animated films Hmm. and i use my smart tvs apps more for Amazon, even though I can't stand it. Amazon. <laughs> what, what, what? Why? Why not? Oh, it's. Oh, I'm getting bored of telling this. It's. It's the buffering time. For example, I'm watching this TV show called Parks and Recreations, and like it takes about one and a half to two minutes to actually get up to 1080p. Ah, oh, did you hear last week's show though? Because on the application, on the app, on the phone and the iPad, that's gone now. Yeah, I did hear that. It's not filtered down to my. Uh, smart tv yeah whatever oh no well that's they won't care about that no probably not so um if it, but at least when you get the app 
that will go away. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's something I'm hoping for. Um, <laughs> because I, this is the thing that makes me think that we're going to get a 4K set because Apple, sorry, um, because Netflix and Amazon are both you know quite proud of their 4K systems at the moment. Mm. And you know, there's more and more 4K content coming on online on on the various um, regular channels and things like this. So, you know, there's strangely enough, there's still not a massive backlog of it's. It's basically like Blu-ray. When Blu-ray came along and DVD was still, you know, the be all and end all of virtually everything, it took a long time for them to go back and recode everything back up, on, you know, for Blu-ray and stuff. Even though it's kind of the same dimensions they still went back and they they re they rejiggered it all and made it all look pretty again um strangely enough back in the day of dvds some v- they released some vh sorry they released some dvds with still vhs prints on it the cheeky little blighters charging full price still so i'm sure we're going to go through, through that it's, it's always going to be a period of time where people try and take advantage of the new media by sticking old media on it but as as time goes on the catalogs start to build and it's something they're always doing in the background. And rather than the difference between physical media and digital stuff is they can just do it constantly in the background. They can just re-encode the, the old, the old footage and every single new film that comes along until slowly that catalog builds up over time. Now the problem will be, I think when all of us who have got big digital libraries go, well, I thought, I thought the 1080p version. I, do I now have to upgrade, or will there be an upgrade path, which I don't believe there will be, but it would be nice if it can see, because it knows what you own, if they say, oh, look, he owns Godfather. So if you want to upgrade that to the 4K version, extra three quid or four quid or whatever it is, and you can have the 4K version. Yeah, they've done that with the music back in the day when they removed That's the right. DRM. You can upgrade to the DRM-free music for a discounted price um <clears throat> i actually bought <clears throat> actually repurchased another film i i really want to watch i really want to watch terminator 2 and it's been in my library for years i think i bought it i either bought it i got it for free at some christmas discount event they do on itunes and it just looked very blurry and fuzzy and yeah. i realized it's the hate it's the sd version <laughs> and the definition version so i well, I can't watch this like this. It, you know, it's 2017. I've got standards. <laughs> so, <laughs> not very high, but I've got them. Not very high. You know, 1080p is about as high as they go at the moment. Um, so I looked on the apps. I looked on the iTunes. It was like 5.99. So far, I'll just buy another copy. Now I've got two copies of Terminator 2, and no way to tell which one's HDL, which one's not without <laughs> actually playing it. I wish I could just delete the old one off my car. I'll probably contact customer support, I guess, and ask them to uh, delete it. I don't know. But yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, there's been a lot of signs this year that point to a 4K Apple TV. One of them being the, for example, the processor used in the current Apple TV is the one before the one that actually supports this new video codec that's been announced. I think it has an A9 in it and it needs an A10, possibly. Right. I'm, not, I'm not too sure. Maybe A8, A9, even one of them. So this new video codec will allow them to, um, you know, H... HEVC, high efficiency video codec, mm-hmm. gives two two times better compression, and it works with industry file formats. They said so. In I was just reading into the lines of their presentation. It sounds like this is going to be the future of delivering content through iTunes to their devices. It does seem to be things being put in place, which is always you know a good sign with Apple. Now, 
getting back to what you just said a minute, I remember buying this film, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which is a Clint Eastwood directed film. And I bought this. I remember I bought this specifically on in SD because there was no HD version of it around at the time when I bought this this one. And I was a bit disappointed. I was thinking, oh, I've, I've, you know, SD, oh, what the hell? Because it was like one of those cheapies. And I bought it, and now I look back through the other week, and it's now HD, upgraded, and <laughs> I've not paid any extra for that. So maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting my hopes up because I think it will be a massive uh, cash cow for them moving forward. But yeah, I mean, it's got to come. It's got to come at some point. These, these media companies have, are so proud of their 4K. They're, virtually everything Netflix now produces is 4K. Everything um, Amazon produces from themselves, not, not they buy from elsewhere, is, is 4K. Um, and it's moving forward. And that will be the best way, I think, for 4K to be delivered, down, down the cable wire, you know, through the Ethernet, rather than across the air or through satellite, because it's perfect for it. Look at Amazon as well. They do actually sell 4K movies. Yeah. But they tend to be around £22, £22 upwards, £23 upwards, I think. Although, I, was it on? I'm sure, I'm sure it was on um, Amazon. I watched Ghostbusters streamed. Ghostbusters 2, granted. But I, I thought, what the hell? I'm going to watch it. No matter how bad that movie is compared to the first one. Because I, 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 it was 4K. And I thought, oh my God, I've never seen a 4K streamable movie from from amazon i didn't have to buy or anything i just streamed it as part of my prime package and it it, it looked okay um i'm sure i'm not i know there's things like audio files out there and video files now and they will be absolutely distraught that anything less than the highest quality but i've moved on from there i just want it my eyes have gone <laughs> <laughs> you know it's my my set's good. It's it's got some nice deep blacks and it's got some wonderful contrast and everything. It looks fine for me. I've got you know a surround system, so as long as it's five point one, I'm happy. I, I just I just I that's it. I'm done. I'm done with physical media. I am never behind anything on physical media again. Yeah, the pure convenience outweighs the yeah quality that you'd get from a four K Blu Ray and yeah, just pure convenience having it on every device. Like like when I went to America, I just went onto my ipad and just downloaded several films on itunes yeah just downloaded several films from my library that i already had just i've just got a library there just there waiting for me no matter what device i'm using and that's just something that blu-ray or ultra blu-ray can't give me without that friction of having to rip it potentially and which is illegal for us in the uk oh is it i don't know <laughs> yeah they changed the law it's now illegal to do that in the uk yeah so you know i should be a criminal if i want to watch <laughs> my blu-ray film i bought for 25 pound on my ipad then you know i need to go through a computer to rip it and take time and all that it's just such yeah. friction i can just buy it on itunes and it's everywhere it's on my tv my mac my phone my laptop whatever okay so here's a question for you here's a question I've, i know i've asked this before on a previous show mm -hmm. a long long time ago do i have to give if, the same answer well no it wasn't <laughs> you on it i don't think oh good. but uh, i think it was before i knew you but uh <laughs> If Apple was to do their streaming service and they offered something like Apple Music, but Apple Video, so basically anything in the iTunes library you could watch or stream or have access to whenever you wanted, what would you pay a month? I'd probably pay the same as a cable subscription. Which is, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I think I pay around about 40 pounds, 40 or 40. Wow. Maximum, you know, if I'm getting every TV show, every movie they've got on there, including the latest ones that come out, that's essentially like you know paying the premium for Sky Movies, essentially. Mm. 
you got the latest movies that have just come out. So yeah, no, I'd, I'd pay 40, 50 pound for that service and then quit my TV service and then just watch whatever TV shows come out as and when I want on the box sets that eventually come out or the season passes that come out on iTunes. That's, that's what I'd love. I'd love that situation. It's, never gonna, it's not going to happen for years and years and years because I don't think the TV and the film industry are in the same pinch as what the music industry was all that time ago. So I don't think it will happen anytime soon, but I can definitely see it happening at some point in the future. Yeah. The funny thing is looking at um, like my kids, for example, and kids in my family and just, did, and just being to other parents and listen to their viewing habits, it's all YouTube-based and Netflix-based and on-demand you know kids aren't mm. watching tv doesn't seem aren't watching serialized shows at specific times they're watching what they want whenever they want from which is uh, it's going to change the industry quite a lot especially youtube as this generation grows up knowing these youtube celebrities rather than the tv celebrities it's <laughs> i'm not sure if that's a sad or a good thing to tell you the truth. I'm, I'm still trying to work out myself to be honest but, um, <laughs> oh dear oh well now on your recent trip to new york did you take some photos yeah yeah i took a few in, on your, what, 800, 900 pound phone? A few hundred, a few thousand. <laughs> now, do you miss the days of the pl- old plastic Kodak cameras? The, snap, the disposable one. Oh, and yeah, I just remember just having to take them to the shop to get developed and then just waiting like a few days for these photos to come out and then what are they going to look like? Are they going to be good or bad or terrible? Did you blink? <laughs> well, you can relive those days now if you, you so wish, Dean. There's an app called uh, Gudak cam uh developed by screwbar <laughs> i'm not saying anything uh 19 these real works <laughs> yeah 99p in the app store and apparently so what it is is the app looks like the back of one of those old kodak plastic cameras uh, apparently there's no real viewfinder so you have to peer through the little imagine me the little window that they've got there to actually see what you're taking a shot of and still never really know what you're taking a shot of uh, then once you've taken the shot the image doesn't show up on your in within the app until three days later. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but you only can take 24 shots per day. And also, as you take each shot, you have the ability or it includes a light leak simulation. So you don't know what you're shooting. You don't know what the quality is going to be. And you're not going to see it for three days. That sounds perfect. It, <laughs> I can imagine every hipster would be into this like you wouldn't believe. I'm not quite sure what... I mean, I wouldn't take it to a wedding and, and use it just in case. But uh, but if you want if you want a bit of nostalgia, yeah, the Gudak cam. Even, I, I couldn't even bring myself to buy it for 99p, I've got to say. I was just, I've just been debating, should I get it just to see what it's like? Well, you're richer than me, so I think you should. It's a lot of money, though. You know, I could buy coffee for that. <laughs> <laughs> no you can't where can you buy coffee for 99p yeah it's true where can you buy coffee for 99p exactly no I'm got you know I go in coffee shops so it's £2.60 is the smallest I've bloody found bloody <laughs> nightmare um, anyway let's move on to the rumours shall we Now, this isn't really an Apple rumor. It's uh, an Amazon rumor. So apparently, Engadget is reporting that Amazon is working on a new Echo speaker that will rival Apple's HomePod. It is apparently to be shorter and slimmer, designed with rounded edges and cloth-like covering. Sounds familiar. Several tweeters will be used, this time instead of just the one, uh, along with a woofer installed as well. The microphone array is going to get an update, but it's unclear in which manner it will be. So this is them maybe looking at the HomePod and going, well, we can do that too. Since you decided to embarrass our Echo in your little test, Apple, take this. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's 
when they they specifically mentioned two companies, Amazon and uh, Sonos. Sonos. Sonos, yeah, and they actually had the Amazon and the Sonos in the demo rooms. That's right. In the private demo room, so you could see the difference between the Amazon, the Sonos, and the HomePod. Is it still HomePod? Yeah, that's the right name, isn't it? <laughs> it sounds wrong when I say it. No, it does. <laughs> HomePod it doesn't sound right. Yeah, so uh, I think it's going to be a lot easier for Amazon to give their products better speakers than what it is than the Sonos to give its product an AI or a better AI. Mm. At least not without partnering up, partnering up with Bixby or <laughs> no, uh, Google or someone else. I, th- I think it's just Google and Samsung who create AIs, isn't it? Apart from Apple and... Uh, yeah, well, they're all probably working on them now. Facebook's probably working on one somewhere. Yeah, so I can't see Sonos catching up to this AI game quickly, but I can see Amazon and Google Google as well if they wanted to, just to have better speakers and better quality speakers. I don't know, you know, I think Sonos's days are, are unnumbered now. Yeah, it's just a very ancient product compared to what's coming or what's available. Because what you've got is you've got some of these big companies now muscling in on their territory, and I, they're going to... I think they're going to find it very hard to distinguish themselves in, in, in that lineup that's coming. Especially as these companies aren't selling speakers, they're selling services. Yeah, exactly. As well, you know, Amazon wants you to have the Prime, so this speaker is basically a Prime box. You know, that Google is basically your Google Music or your Google whatever subscription, and this is your Apple Music subscription. What Sonos got? Just got premium speakers that you sell. <laughs> and those services. <laughs> yeah, once they've, once they've saturated the market, you know, um, it makes sense maybe if Spotify and Sonos merge in some way. I don't know which one can buy oh, who. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but that that would make sense as a you know have a Spotify speaker. I guess just thinking out loud. Yeah, it's it's a shame because like, well, Sonos made a name for itself. Fantastic blue. Um, well, it's not really Bluetooth, isn't it? These um these network speakers uh, they were around for ages, but I, I don't know. These other companies are now starting to catch up, and of course the the uh, Echo is fantastic because although they might sell like this one uh, a premium, a more premium price than the, the previous version, the fact that you can just now, so if I get one of these, my current Echo will just be transferred to a different room, thus expanding the 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 the, the Echo service, so to speak, around the house. So no matter what room you go into, you can give it instructions no matter where you are because they're all they're not actually linked together, but they all use the same surface service. Yeah, so if they're quick about it and they can get in before Apple brings out the HomePod in December, they could be onto a winner here, especially if it's a, a nice sounding speaker, like nice and warm. Yeah, and there's a lot of people like me, for example, who have a Prime subscription but don't mm. make the most of it. Like I don't use their, I think I get photo storage and Prime Music. I've never listened to any of that stuff. I just use the video and the free deliveries, essentially. <laughs> the odd discount for, for uh, Prime Day or ordering stuff there's a lot of the prime subscription i don't actually use um i should should the music's good as well i just put it on playlists like let it play radio stations and things like that podcasts as well yeah well i don't have i i I don't have the speaker and um i've got apple music that i'm more than happy with in it okay works for me but um yeah if i had one of these speakers i'd definitely use that functionality a lot more and if they release a really good speaker for a really good price that's just very enticing as a prime subscriber now Alan's just got into this um, echo sphere with his dot. That we'll find out next week how he's getting <laughs> on with it because he's written in a show doc first week flirting with Alexa. I'm not quite sure what that means. 
<laughs> he might be quite disappointed what he can do if you flirt with it. I'm not sure. <laughs> wonder if Siri's getting jealous. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Probably doesn't understand what's going on. <laughs> oh, no, don't. Now he's woken up. Why did I say that word? Damn it. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it for this week. So let's, let's see. Feedback. We haven't got any feedback this week. No one's fed us back. Okay, fair enough. I don't think anyway. If if, if they did, I've forgotten it, unfortunately. But uh, I don't think so. No reviews either. Come on, people. We're sitting here. We're doing our part of the deal. Where's your part? Give us some feet. Give us some reviews. Some feedback. Love to hear from you. If you want to send another way to support the show, is our Patreon page. Of course, uh, I've got some wonderful people over there funding us at the moment, helping buy all the backroom stuff that goes on to produce the shows. Uh, greatly appreciated. If you want to. Uh, help us out on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show description. Every little bit helps. It's fantastic. And that's pretty much it. If you want to send us a review, just head on over into iTunes, search out for Mac and Forth, do submit a review and just tap in, give some stars and write a review. Uh, we'd love to read it out on the show. I think that's pretty much it, Dean. I think so. So where can we get hold of you, sir? Yeah, you can find me probably on Twitter, um, at CraftyDino, and you can find Crystal on the App Store. If you search for Crystal, Adblock, it should pop up and it'll help you block all the ads in safari and apps that use safari for your controller such as twitter <laughs> Good stuff. but not scrapple uh, but not scrapple no not scrapple so are you jane off again anytime soon i'm going to dublin this weekend to see oh. uh u2 really see my old friend bono was you not one of the people who complained when they suddenly appeared on your iTunes playlist? Or I was one of the very few people who was like just so excited to get a brand new U2 album. <laughs> oh, you was the one. Yeah. It was I... all done for you. That embarrassing touching the fingers <laughs> nonsense on the stage was all for you. It was a bit cringy, but um, no, I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to get a U2 album. And then everyone started complaining. I was like, oh, what's going on? It's a U2 album. Why is everyone so offended? <laughs> <laughs> it's the modern era. That's why. It doesn't take much to offend anyone anymore, apparently. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, my name's Carl Men. You get hold of me at Twitter, Claw0101. You can get hold of the show at Mac and Forth. You can email us if you so wish, Mac and Forth at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and on G. I am going to open up a Facebook, Facebook groups page as well sometime soon. So keep an eye out for that. That'll be on the Facebook pages. Uh, I'll tweet it out as well so you can join in there. That means you can send, you can add stories to our Facebook groups page as well, and, as well as generally comment on it. Uh, and all things like that if it's a ghost town that's not my fault honest that's all i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> so until next week when we return again and hopefully alan will be with, with us once again um stay safe everybody and bye bye <laughs> <laughs>